This time we're back for real. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see. <laughs> um, the fans have sorry really just been that. begging for, for Yeah, sorry about us. that, guys. We kind of said we were going out to get cigarettes and then we, never came back. Yeah, we really did. I'm so sorry we're to sorry our podcast children. But we have a great episode back. We do. And it's something that we have definitely talked about doing for a long time. Something that I know I feel very passionate about. And we also have an amazing guest who also feels extremely passionate about this topic what are we talking today folks Josie and the Pussycats okay we're going to be as David said writing wrong today yes we are going to um reclaim this maligned film uh for a new generation we're hoping that a lot of our listeners are who are young <laughs> um maybe haven't seen the movie and will be uh inspired to go watch it and to help listening. us we had to get the foremost expert yes. on Josie and the Pussycats that we personally know and could get to come to our apartment <laughs> and record a podcast. And that's our really good friend, Emily. Emily, like, I really, please don't get offended by that intro. That was the meanest <laughs> intro we've ever given someone on this podcast. I take it as, you know, like, you are a lot crueler to your family because you know that they're not going to, like, like excommunicate you from their lives, hopefully. That's, I, I take it. I, I take it in that, that regard. I didn't think that was that mean. Well, it was a little bit of, a little backhanded, I'll say. But oh. um, we didn't mean it as such. Okay, Emily? I didn't, I didn't take it that way. Okay, good, good, good. Um, No, we're so, do you, will you give a little intro to, to who you are and, and yes. why you're here today? And your, um, your bona fides. In Josie and the Pussycats. Sure, like, do you have yeah. a PhD? Do you have an MFA? Um, well, I just <laughs> Josie. I I just got my MFA, not wow. specifically in Josie and the Pussycats, but I did write a in Archie paper. studies, <laughs> which is actually how uh, David and I met. Uh, we were in the same MFA program, and then by extension, um, I forget the exact hang that it was that mm-hmm. you had come along, Taylor, but uh, we clicked and. Also, don't <laughs> full disclosure may have had amnesia the entire time I've known you, <laughs> but like I don't, I don't remember. Also, when it came about that we realized we both really love the film Josie and the Pussycats, but then as soon as that happened, it was almost like instant. Um, we're we're BFFs. Yeah. Well, I think like you and I like. I think if I like something, you like something. If you like something, I like something That's in terms fair. of media. I, I do. The one thing is that you do play video games and I don't. I But I think that if I did play video that games, I would have that the same. Rude. No, it wasn't. Wow. I didn't realize this was going to be a podcast <laughs> filled with uh, microaggressions. <laughs> that was not rude. I'm just saying, I think if I played video games, I would like the same video games as you too. That's oh, probably fair. Okay. So what I mean to say is like, we we have all the same tastes. So Emily has good taste, and oh, she has all you. the right opinions. Taylor, so listen to her. <laughs> um, this you call this your favorite movie ever? This is my favorite. This is the best movie ever, and it is my favorite movie ever. Yes, Emily, that's high praise. Do you share that opinion? I oh, Taylor watch hit us up as being mind melded together. Watch your words, Emily. <laughs> no, I have a very hard time like uh, ranking films as far as influence your opinion. <laughs> No, but I I have a really hard... This is why I don't have a favorite film. Um, Like, even though I have very strong opinions about 1999's The Mummy, 
I, I, I couldn't qualify it as my favorite film because I just, they're in like tiers, I think. Yes. But Josie and the Pussycats is definitely in a top tier. It's like S tier so, for you. Yes. Um, we should say, uh, I think Taylor and I thought it would be good since we have um, actually a lot of like younger listeners to explain to them like. What a DVD is. Yeah. <laughs> what this, like why this movie, like the, uh, the arc of this movie, right? So, like, it's released in 2001. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is... Was it before or was it pre-9-11 or post? See, here's the thing, Emily. This is... We're going to... This is going to... We're going to be getting into this. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Because I have a theory Dang. about how... I think if this had come out after 9-11, I don't think... I don't think we'd be sitting here having this conversation. He manages to about turn it being a cult every movie. episode into an episode about 9-11. <laughs> Every episode this of is, our podcast is a 9-11 This podcast. is not surprising is considering podcast. that <laughs> some of my favorite lines in David's scripts have been lines pertaining to 9-11. So um, not that <laughs> I don't know that there's a way to qualify that as anything other than what I just said. But uh, <laughs> all of this is to say it comes they out. They know who David is. So it comes out listener. in April 2001 before 9-11. Okay. Um, and before my tonsil and adenoid surgery, <laughs> yes. which was the day before. 9-11. Oh, God. You, you so, have epigenetic trauma yes. re- related to 9-11. Um, yes. Re your tonsils. No, I, I, so, yes. Okay, we can get into your 9-11 theory, no. but I think that should be, uh, like, sort of um, auxiliary to no, of the course. Uh, episode we're doing. Let's all give I'm, it a second and a half. All I'm saying is the movie, like, so comes out at the time and is, like, pretty, like, universally panned. It is, like, a um, colossal flop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is an, a, just a kind of abject, a bo- just a kind of office failure. abject disaster. And then since really, you know, over the course of uh, the lifespan of the internet has been like rehabilitated as like a cult classic that now like yeah. not only has it's like, you know, like people like, uh, you, like it's adoring fans, but it also like among people who like write and people yeah. who are like work in entertainment, it has also become kind of like, a baby I will theirs. say though like I don't want to give it that much credit in terms of like not give it credit but give people credit for like oh we like this movie now I think that the people who watched the movie when they were kids and really liked it or when they were young and really liked it have now just grown up and there are people who are like oh we like this movie we always liked this movie I don't know that like people's opinion on this movie has changed that much oh, I totally. think there was no, always I, people who loved yeah. the movie and now they're just more vocal they're our age yeah they're just like they're in adults. positions of power yeah. <laughs> and I think too like truly and also like you know the I think that we've come to a point right now very clearly where we are trying to um like re-understand the ways in which media specifically like dealt with women specifically in the 90s and 2000s like for example Britney Spears and just like completely reframing the way that we thought about these people situations movies etc and I think Josie and the Pussycats 100% deserves that you know reevaluation and like for people to look at and be like why did everyone hate why did all the critics and even like audiences that were like old enough to be I don't know like looking you know writing reviews on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever didn't like it um but I I don't I think it's gotten that a little bit like they have this cult following that people love it but I don't think it has enough so I think I think part of it too and I can't speak for everyone but 
with my narcissism, Emily, I'm just going to yeah. power through it. Yeah. And we only um, we brought you here to speak for everyone. That's so. what this podcast is Perfect. about. That's what having a podcast is about. So no pressure. Um, but I think I think like part of it, especially for me, like I was 11 when that movie came out. Not to you know, I'm I'm not to 80. Brag. I'm 87 years old now. But uh, I was 11 when that movie came out. I don't I. Again, I guess I'm learning I had amnesia for many of the moments <laughs> <laughs> pertaining to this film. Uh, I feel like we it, it had either been a blockbuster thing or a DirecTV pay-per-view thing. Oh. Um, but either way, like when I had watched it the first time, I just remember thinking the music was dope as frick. Yes. Um, and like it was just, it was really, really funny. Yes. Um, but there was a component a component to it that i don't think quite resonated and that was some of the underlying like uh satire regarding marketing and just mass consumerism that didn't necessarily resonate at 11 and so going back like for me going back and watching it as an adult there are some things in there that um just made it like elevated it to even funnier because it works on a surface level but it's even it's even better in what it's trying to do satirically speaking so i think that might kind of add to why people are coming back to it because we're you know well i think that also is exactly why like if you had to if you had to kind of give like an uh, like a single statement about why you think it was not well received at the time it would be because people didn't understand the satire or they understood it and had like a a real like violent reaction to yeah. it. Well, can I say before before we get too deep into this, I do want to do just like a basic um, premise and like uh, oh, okay. like talk about what what it's about, just in case, because I genuinely think that like younger people have not seen this yeah. movie. Well, my so question... we start with Big Head, right? <laughs> no, with Big Head, yeah, Jughead, Jughead. <laughs> okay, wait. Before we no. even start this, though, my my question for you, I'm trying to Please. think like chronologically speaking. The movie comes out in 2001, but it's a it's based off of the Josie and the Pussycats like comics. 70s comics like and, that started then. But, but I'm yeah. trying to figure out like where was Spider Man in all this? Because I'm wondering. Oh. I I can't recall if this movie was like one of those that where it was like. <laughs> as they do one thing is successful and then immediately producers are like we gotta adapt like every single comic thing. yeah so what well, is I, interesting too because it's interesting to think about this as a i should have researched like a comic <laughs> book like a comic book property yeah well thinking about it now in a time where everything is a comic book property right and um and so it like it exists in this like kind of weird space where it um like it was done before comic books were like completely and totally commodified (laughs) you know or re-commodified even like I mean I do I do think too like well first of all I'm trying to figure it out and I searched Spider-Man Tobey Maguire and it's just not coming up that was (laughs) um yeah it was after wasn't it? but but either way um I I do think like yeah it is interesting this was before the sort of um the sort of like boom of one making every comic into a live action movie and two just like IP being this like the only thing that you can make anymore you know what I mean where like because they had obviously the rights to the like Archie IP and they were just like oh we have like basically like the two direct co-directors and co-writers were pitched on this they didn't want to write this movie and at first they were like we don't want to write Josie and the Pussycats like why would we want to write that but then they like thought about it and they were like okay if you let us do whatever we want with this we'll do it like, I think they probably had a deal and then they just had this IP and they were like, do you guys want this IP? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. But I think it's like, it is interesting. Like, why did they think making a Josie and the Pussycats movie, like, that's like for adults, but sort of marketed towards kids, like, was a good idea? I don't know. And well, that's, I'm glad they did that's it. That's what's difficult, too, because, like, I don't know. Were you guys, like, <laughs> I have to remember that not everyone was hugely into cartoons as a kid as I was, but, like, did you all watch any of the old, like, Josie and the Pussycats cartoons? Where it was, like, them uh, in space yes, sometimes, like, like solving space. crimes? Yeah. And, like, yes. but I think people went into this, like, very much expecting an exact, I, I think yes. that's part of why it flopped, was they were, they came into it with, like, I don't know who these insane just Josie and the Pussycat comics fans are, but they came into it expecting it to be more along the lines of, like, that zaniness, and this was more, like, I, I don't think... I don't think America was ready for a comic property to say more than surface level. Which is so funny because now that's literally every movie TV show that exists. Right. That's <laughs> like, I mean, you've got Black Panther. You've got like even the Marvel Sabrina, stuff. You yeah. know, the ne- Netflix, you know, the CW has Riverdale. Like they literally have the Archie comics being like dramatic teens who like play football with their grandmas or whatever the fuck, you know. <laughs> and um, but no, it is true. It's such a weird yeah. It's and Spider-Man was 2002, by so the way. Oh, so so right this, after. I also think we weren't prepped to be like. You weren't ready. IP- <laughs> yes. But I think it's that like culturally now we've mm. just come to assume that if something is based on an existing property, it's probably like it's going to be better because there's an audience for it. And like prior yes. to that, I don't know that there was that same. Like if someone had. T- <laughs> Like if someone had made a Scooby Doo movie with the Harlem Globetrotters, like as like in two thousand one, I would have been there midnight opening night. But yes. that's just because I'm I'm a freak. I was very into <laughs> Hanna Barbera cartoons, but like I don't know that everyone else felt the same way. And yeah. so I think it's one of those things that the value of it can be seen in retrospect. Well, and it also is just like it's a weird teen comedy movie. Yes, that got made with a with you know. 55 million dollars or something you know like nine million like <laughs> that's um which actually ironically like doesn't that include the soundtrack which mm-hmm. is what saved the movie at the time i mean was the soundtrack is so people good. thought the it's sound so like good. they didn't spare any expense yeah, on I mean, the soundtrack, the soundtrack which gold, is the like... most important part of this movie actually yeah. is the soundtrack because the movie doesn't work if the music sucks no it's that's so true, true. And the movie does not work if the music sucks and the music is, and guys does not they suck. didn't the music, miss they didn't, no, they miss, on didn't the miss on any song that that whole soundtrack is amazing the soundtrack i think the term is slaps yes <laughs> that's exactly that's what yeah it slaps. um wait, wait, i want to say what what the movie's about. yes i was gonna say i'm sorry well, we went down this why rabbit don't, you're hole the guest of, why don't you why don't you uh give the brief uh synopsis okay so basically oh gosh now i'm on the spot um (laughs) i've seen this movie like 11 billion times (laughs) but anyway uh it starts out with this band uh this boy band du jour which is basically along the lines of like a backstreet boys or an nsync type um thing and anyway which is just like just chef's kiss. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's, it's is, amazing. And we we can get into it like later, but yes, we need to talk about Dujour. <laughs> but anyway, so all of these guys get onto a plane and the plane crashes and uh Alan Cumming they, they take the Chevy to the levee. Yes, they do. <laughs> and basically Alan Cumming, you see him like uh very mysteriously get on the phone and be like essentially we need another act. And so then we cut to uh Rachel Lee Cook as Josie um and they're jamming out in a in a bowling alley (laughs) so they're basically an undiscovered band 
And somehow, through a series of events, they get discovered by Alan Cummings' character. And what ends up happening is they're realizing that their fans are being brainwashed like through their music because messages of consumerism have been like um kind of like the beatles yes they're putting subliminal messages in all the pop music yes and all of the entire mtv the entire music industry just exists as a way to insert subliminal messages exactly and it's stuff like by rca or like sephora (laughs) and they they being mega records the record label as a as a contractor for the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The U.S. It's, government is behind all of it. It's a good old-fashioned public-private partnership. Yes. <laughs> Classic <laughs> capitalism. No, but I, I think that's about it. And then by that point, like, Josie, um, Val, and... Uh, what? Mel. Melody. Mel. That's right. Um, Josie, Val, and Mel discover this and decide we're going to tear this apart. Um, and so it Even has. If it means risking their own, their own success and their dreams. Right. But um, along the way, there is a lot to say about female friendship, about. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Really. About- what else do you want to say, David? No, just female friends. Like, female <laughs> really, friendship. it's about female friendship, I think. I think this this is That's really. That's David's favorite part of the movie. This movie is about just girls being dudes. Girls being bros. Yeah. Being friends. Being dudes and jocks. Yeah. I, I think what's cool about it is like they just get to be. Um, this is this goes into a. <laughs> let me pull my soapbox out. Um, <laughs> this goes into my issue primarily with like representation of female characters in movies where. I just feel like sometimes they have to be so much like they either have to be the tough one or like they have to be the strong female character. Yeah. And it's fine, I guess. But what's cool about this movie is like they just get to be characters who are women. And so they get to be like Tara Reid is Mel, who's this just like kind of airheaded like flower child kind of. (laughs) And then you have Val, who's Rosaria Dawson, like pre before she completely blew up she gets to be like tough and whatever else but it's not anything where it's like oh Val's the tough one yeah (laughs) like it's just they all get to be these just throughout it all what they maintain is they're these three best friends from Riverdale right um and and that element to me if we're talking about the female friendship of it all like that to me is just what's really cool about it yeah I mean like also just you know since you mentioned Riverdale like if you're watching the TV show Riverdale and you haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats, um, that's disgusting to me. Yeah, this is like, it's like in hip hop when like people are like, man, if you didn't listen to Nas, like, mm-hmm. that's like how you I don't feel. know, that's how, that's yeah, what you're that's doing. Exactly you're what being I was... a real Archie head exactly. right now. Oof, exactly. Thank goodness, because I am the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen the film and I have not seen the show. Um, no, that's good. That's good. I should also say um, in preparation for this podcast, I, I think I said, put it on our Twitter, but I did read Best Movie Ever by Russ Burlingame, which mm-hmm. is like the oh, the All book right. on. Um, yeah. Well, I had to I had to up mine because I don't know this movie as good as you guys. Well, Emily um, also also I did research too. Emily provided me with the like reader for the vinyl record that they released for the um, anniversary, which she somehow came to to have two copies copies of and I read that and it was amazing too there's just like so much like because the production team all just like really cared about the movie and like got it and everyone who was working on it was so excited about it and then it was released and they were all like oh damn no one got it (laughs) like I think they all appreciate that it's sort of um, um 
being yeah. appreciated now. Uh, one, uh, so the two directors, um, Harry Elephant and Deborah Kaplan, right? Yes. So I, uh, um, Harry Elephant at one point like gives an interview in 2017 and says that he's like looking at dailies of it and being like, oh no, we're making a cult movie. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like he could totally yes, see what was he happening. Yeah, he had he like knew. basically like tricked this major studio into putting a ton of money behind this very weird. Well, Cause they had just done can't hardly wait. Yeah. And I think they, the, the studio was like, yeah, sure. Do what you want. Well, I think just the way that like kind of the stars aligned at that time, like, the people in posi- in a position to do like a major, um, like a m- major budget comedy movie, were like people who like were, were like people who were like making like teen movies. Totally, you know. I and I, then here comes this people like two studios being like, hey, hey, uh, we'll give you fifty million dollars to do that, and they're like, oh wow, I, like we don't even like we don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> like totally. Wait, I didn't realize they're the people behind Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, yeah. that's the. <laughs> The only thing I remember from that movie at all is I I love Seth Green, which is why I love like he's, he's also he's one of the yes. members of DuJour <laughs> as well as Donald Faison yep. and um is Brecken Myers part of it? Yes. Yeah. So it's all like the early aughts like male teen heartthrob yes. stuff. But in Canada, <laughs> Seth Green shows up at one of the parties or whatever, and legit his line is, "Why are you wasting my flavor?" <laughs> And I will go to my grave haunted by that line reading. <laughs> so I didn't. I did not realize they were Some the team haunting behind. performances Ooh, from Seth. Gosh, Green. gosh, um, man, amazing. Um, I'm sorry. Please, please no, continue. no, that's that was necessary. <laughs> it does, but it does. Like, say what you will about those movies. Like those movies, like in a weird way, hold up. I love them. You know? Oh, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like you, well, you can't go back done... and watch. You can't go back and watch a romantic comedy from the 1980s no. where it doesn't involve date rape. It's That's like at least totally. At you least... cannot watch like 16 Candles yeah. and be like, "This is okay." You <laughs> yeah. can't. You watch it and you're like, "Oh, this is really bad." Yeah. Like all of them are like that. Yeah. And it, it is different. That's because also specifically like these two are very smart and like very um witty and like prescient and so i think that that makes a difference too. and this movie like r- really holds up this movie holds up so it, a- well it, it not only holds up but it literally one is like um like telling the future and two like surprisingly like prescient it, yeah and like tells <laughs> yeah. to, like and just like you know, it, it's better today than it even was then. I mean, people weren't ready to hear it, I think, is what the thing is. Or, you know what I mean? They weren't. People are always not willing to hear the gospel. But it's an, <laughs> Artists are only appreciated, are never appreciated during their time. That's an interesting point, though, because I'm trying to think of, like, all of the teen movies, like, um, She's All That and mm-hmm. Get Over It, um, which is one of my, I think. I'm, I've never seen that one. Okay, so Get Over It, full rabbit trail here, I apologize. <laughs> Is the, what is his name? Ben, um, he was on the Disney show Flash Forward, which I don't know if anyone else watched. Uh, it was this tiny Canadian thing. Anyway, it's him, Mila Kunis, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Colin Hanks, Cisco, Amazing. <laughs> and Martin Short. And basically, yes, Martin Short is the director and it's their high school putting on a presentation of um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And, but like the real life people, it's a high school production, but the real life people are like 
falling in line and falling in love like the characters do in the play. Great. But while these movies do have things like I'm thinking of Josie and the Pussycats, there's a scene where Carson Daly goes a little nuts and tries to kill Mel. But at the time he and Tara Reed were dating. That's not anything that you'd know, like <laughs> watching it yes, in 2021. Yeah. So these movies like all have some element of that, which makes them feel a little bit dated. But at the same time, something about it just like they resonate as far as being solid, like, I guess you'd call them rom-coms, but there's there's a part of me that just really loves the high school rom-com formula of like the early odds. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean it's de- like it totally. I think I think a lot of those hold up. Yeah. Um, I I I know we already started talking about it, but like the things I want to talk about today are why this movie flopped, why those things were all wrong, which we already started mentioning, what we love about the movie, and then I want to read you um roger ebert's uh review of it and we can we can discuss because delicious it may like david told me like when i was pulling this up he was like don't speak ill of the dead taylor which as you know we do on this podcast all the time and i'm literally gonna dance on his grave today because he is (laughs) such a bad person for writing this review okay um where do you want to start um i think we should talk about why it was not successful then for all the reasons and in that we can talk about um you know plot and and whatnot too well Oh, oh, no, 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 different idea. no, 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 no. I was going to say to to start that I would I think that this definitely is like one of those movies like a hobby horse of yours that we've talked about on this podcast is you saying that um, things that like young women like isn't are inherently valued less Oof. in society. Yes. Yeah. And this seems like uh, like a real um, a piece of evidence for your theory. If Can we I talk was... about the unicorn Frappuccino? Was it the fra- <laughs> The the Starbucks one, yeah, right? Yeah. That came out and it was basically like it, it looked like a unicorn. This uh-huh. thing was like pink and purple glitter. I don't know what it was, but anyway, Starbucks put it out and all these like tween and older girls were all excited about it and all the internet could do is just take a massive dump on them and basically be like this is completely invalid. And I feel this every time fall comes around and they put that meme of like, you know, basic uh like basic white girl where as as a white woman this this is hugely offensive yes, to me yes. but um but like with they're like insulting the, your with the insulting knee- your culture <laughs> they really are yes um but like with the knee-high boots and the scars yes, and like yes. the, the psls and all that yeah. stuff and i just i don't understand why women can't just like enjoy things yeah that's part of it i think i mean there, it's obviously the it being w- like young women like that adds a whole different element to it but also like just you can't really have a thing your thing on the internet anymore it can't just exist without people constantly shitting on it that's true yeah. but i think like like you know like you said this is like sort of my my like thing that i will shout from the rooftop i mean like if i was that guy that stands out there with that sign which by the way come on dude like stop standing outside with the sign <laughs> like it's gone so old anyways that mine would be like things that girls like are very devalued whatever but no, I think that I think I have your, sort it's of gonna a. It's going to be on her tombstone. Yeah, I think I have sort of like a, a like what I would consider to be like complicated feeling about that because I think that what it, it's so interesting because women and girls are the biggest drivers of yes. purchasing, um, and yet. The thing like they are the biggest market that you want to reach yet the things that they like and enjoy are still devalued but they'll still take your money 
but they want you to feel bad about what you like. So, for example, something like One Direction, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello. One Direction <laughs> is amazing. And it brings people, that band brought people so much fucking joy. And it is, they're like one of the biggest bands in the history of music. They made you know so much money and yet you are a fucking and they're just dumb ni- they're bitch. just nice lads yeah too. and you're just like they are and they have so much chemistry yeah. okay david and but no then but you're just like a dumb bitch if you like them right i do i think that things should be valued based on how much money they you can, can be make. a dumb bitch but it doesn't it doesn't have to be because you listen to one direction <laughs> hey can uh, i can i interject a moment yeah. i try so similarly the jonas brothers recently put out their new album yes. and their song what a man gotta do is so ridiculously good and both of these bands 1d and joe bros were ones that i was like i'm gonna listen to these ironically (laughs) and then about like (laughs) like four or five songs in it was like "Uh, yeah i I think i genuinely like them (laughs) what is happening yeah and then so anyway you should never have to feel like you have to not like them i like that you're like oh i i'm gonna like not like them like i'm just gonna listen and see but then you're like oh wait no they're actually amazing no they're great and that's the thing i tried to get uh both of my roommates who are dudes i try i was like when i heard what a man gotta do for the first time i was like guys i have to share this song (laughs) with you and they were like absolutely not like (laughs) Do not try to make yes. us listen to this. We will not. We will protest like whatever. And I, yes, I don't understand quite why it is that like if they were any, but like, I think one of their songs, um, uh, I can't for the life of me think about it, but Rolling Stone had done a review of it and had basically said like, this is, this is pretty much like early Beatles, Rolling Stones kind of like mixed in yeah. whatever, but it doesn't matter if it's something that gaggles of girls enjoy. Somehow it beces less uh like less valuable totally and like, sure though he, taylor had some male fans so there's true. the one and he loves so the them one male just, fan he loves them just like like a brother so true. like a brother exactly <laughs> no but i do I you really know the tone going into that movie with those du- that those off. du jour jokes right off the top it's like if you don't if those jokes are going over your head it's like they were at eleven. It's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough ride. The yeah. song is literally oh, well, backdoor lover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think too, like I just wanna finish up this thing oh, yeah, by sorry. saying no no, not at all. I just wanna say too, like, I don't I wanna be clear, I don't think that things should be valued based on money and how much money they're able to bring in for like music executives. No, you're executives, pointing out et I'm just saying that like you can't even let women like things that is making you money. You still have to like slap them in the face. Like, you know what I mean? You still have to be like, Well, you, we're gonna take your money, but you're still a dumb bitch. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They just can't you're they're policing just petty. Like their, they're so you're petty. Policing their frivolity. Just yeah, and they just don't want women to like like things. Also, like men have always been able to see themselves in every single piece of media every single thing that they do it's all for them it's them it, they are in it white men specifically is who i'm talking about no offense david whoa, but like whoa 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 <laughs> this is an anti-david podcast <laughs> um but like it's true and so then they never have to like this leads me into another reason why i think it flopped is because especially with critics specifically because it was about three women and their friendship and them it, it's literally a movie about girl power about empowerment, about women taking down the man, et cetera, et cetera. And taking it down not because they're like like men, yeah. but taking them down because of the virtue of being feminine and like women and just people. You know what I mean? And so like men don't want to see that because they're like, well, this is dumb. Like every review that you read is like, these girls are dumb. 
they're dumb <laughs> they're they're bimbos and it's like what they literally took down the u.s government you fucks <laughs> um anyways they're not bimbos also like you're a bimbo but this, i hate the word bimbo I mean, it bothers no. the shit out of me hard, but it, you hard know what same. i mean so i think like men who were at in the 2000s running media they were the only people you were hearing they were the only people who were reviewing anything. They were the people who were in charge of decision making, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah. Those are, they don't want to see a movie about three young women being friends. Yeah, Roger Ebert was never going to like this movie. No. But that's what, what's frustrating, though, is that still in the year of our Lord 2021, this is still the case. Totally. I mean, with, oh, with totally. little women, like of the three of us in my apartment, my two dude roommates and myself, which one of us do you think went to go see little women yeah it was not my roommates yeah and would you but you also go see movies with male protagonists all but the time all you the go time. see comic book movies that i, I think do. are like quote unquote what not not anymore now but right. like what would have been considered like a male nerdy like right thing, which it's not anymore at all because women like shit that they don't see themselves exactly and in. i just that has never resonated with me like why but this is the same thing i mean you could argue that crossroads fell into this same thing totally, where it became totally. this like cult hit because i don't understand Again, and maybe Spears. david you can uh, put some insight into this because i just don't understand like as a woman going to watch something I, I it's not predicated on like oh, this is just going to be a dude flick. But like that so often is the reaction I hear when I see it, like media that features predominantly like women and particularly in the th- in the arenas that women typically gravitate toward as far as like romantic comedies or any type of uh, thing that involves romance or intimacy. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> it's like, it's like two. Maybe we're getting like something my, here. <laughs> my dad's criticism for most films is that there's too much talking. So I wonder... <laughs> Like he's very he's very into movies where it's like he, man he's versus from the nature. Silent, <laughs> the silent film era. Emily, is your dad in black and white? Be honest. That's amazing. My, yes, my father's Charlie Chaplin. But um but no, I mean he's very into movies where it's like man versus nature. Yes, yes, and it's like amazing. a bunch of like it they're like C list movies where you don't know any of the actors, but they're out in the Arctic and like some strange thing is coming after them. That's iconic. I want to interview him so, about this. But in any case, like David, I I guess I'm just curious because I, I would I would assume well knowing you I know that you are a man above you know the the average guy as far as accepting wow. female media but like what like what can you attest that to is it the emotion thing is it just that like as soon as they hear two women interacting like the decibel level literally they're of just women's it's, voices it's the, char- just the like, Charlie Brown characters <laughs> wah, 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 wah. that's yeah. how they that's what happens oh yeah all guys have a have a, a dumb bitch meter in their brain <laughs> like, just because I mean I think it's 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 probably mostly like the way people are socialized right that's totally yeah and I just well, think you're socialized that, growing yeah. up and you're like if there's no media with women as the lead that you are watching and getting mm. invested in you are not like you don't learn to see yourself in other people you don't learn empathy yeah. you don't learn to like yeah put yourself and your struggles in line with someone else's who's different than you well, and whereas women have yeah. to do that all the time and like i mean like i actually taylor and i kind of talk about a lot like how like representation can change a lot of things like in terms of film and stuff there's a lot of stuff it can't change like people yeah, representation sometimes is not every people, people will sometimes act like it can literally change the world yeah it's like it's like okay let's you know it's tell like, that to the female <laughs> ghostbusters <laughs> david <Yeah>. but no <laughs> men but, are still yelling but about that is that. not They're still yelling but that about is that. not to downplay the effects that it can totally. have 
Yeah. It, you is, know? it is vital, but it is not going to do everything. Like, that's just one piece of the puzzle of yeah. changing society that is so much larger than that. The puzzle is a lot of fucking pieces, but, like, that is important. But, no, it doesn't. It does not. Well, everything. and also it's just, like, I think, you know, don't – on a, on a broad level, you know, young listeners, don't expect a system that is just trying to extract money from you to, yeah, like – true. Like that doesn't mean that doesn't even mean that they have to treat you well anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, seriously. Like I mean, to to like not to be like not like I think I saw the, for the first time I, the first time I saw this movie I think I was like in middle school mm-hmm. and that was probably like the first like coherent critique of capitalism that I ever saw. You know, like in my day to day life. Yes. It was probably, and then, you know, until that probably held me over until I read, like, the manifesto or something. So Josie so. and the Pussycats <laughs> led, great, a straight line for you. Josie and the Pussycats led you to yeah. communism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I think, no, I definitely do. So moving on to another reason why it flopped is people, one, couldn't understand that it was a critique of capitalism and actually thought that it was playing into it, one. Um, and we'll explain yes. like reasons why, but two, just weren't ready to hear it in the two thousands. Like yeah. Y2K had just happened. Like it was like, you know, technology was booming. People were see this is now we're really consuming, consuming. Now we're really getting into my, my oh, 9-11 Oh my God. Theory. Good okay. Lord. <laughs> well, I know we can let, then let's, let's talk about this after in, in a moment. I want to hear your 9-11 theory because this does lead into that. But, but it, so at this exact time when this is happening, people are not ready for a critique of capitalism. They're too far removed from the 80s where there was this idea of like, which I, I think, I mean, you can, you're the history the, major, the but ni- like, yeah, totally. I feel like the 80s, there was this insane consumption and then it was like, oh, we shouldn't be doing so much consumption, right? Well, the, in the 90s for our young listeners who weren't there, who didn't see it with yeah. their own eyes. Well, I barely, were, to be clear, I barely I, saw it. I was going to say, be clear, clear, they like, were, they were, the 90s were about excess. The yes, 90s were yeah. about like having too much. Like the 90s were the time when like for the first time, it, like people in the United States thought, oh, wow, like everyone's winning. Like even like even even black people are doing better. Yeah, it's the like, end of history. Yeah, the end of the history. literal end of history. The literal end of history. And so no one wanted to hear, especially in like a popular comedy about mm-hmm. like the about the like mass consumerism or something well i think part of it too is that like with each decade it kind of the decade kind of bleeds into the like the next decade this is a 90s movie a lot of the this is a 90s like 98 99 2000 2001 that they're kind of lumped in the same which is its own thing on its own because it was the last three years of a millennia (laughs) well that but it's it's also i think one of those things like when you are um like i discovered this with uh politics (laughs) because i had before i came out we don't really get political (laughs) (laughs) i know but i'm just saying like so before grad school i'd worked in dc and it was kind of one of those things where toward the end of it uh it had been too much that i couldn't take anything else in but it wasn't until after I'd been removed from that setting that I was able to look back at it and kind of not be so traumatized by it. But I think that's sort of tangential to what uh, Josie and the Pussycats was, which is where we were societally and culturally, as you were saying, so seeped into that mass consumerism that you can't see when you're in the midst of it, but being yeah. able to come back to it a decade later, you can be like, that's actually a really smart criticism of, or like a smart satire of this whole, you know, governmental oversight of consumeristic culture. Yes. 
Totally. Um, and I think it just kind of. And they weren't flew. ready. Totally. It flew over. Yeah. It not only like. I think some people just didn't get it. Some people were unwilling to. It's rem- uh, it's amazing how many people didn't get it. Just didn't get it. Just did. How are you? I don't understand. I mean, what must it have been like to be my age that I am now at that time? I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's the same thing where you think, wow, how were all of these men like abusing these women repeatedly at their jobs that, you know, and being, you know, called out for it numerous times and nothing was happening. Like, you think today you're like what how the fuck is that possible but that was just the way things were and like i don't know it's hard for me to even imagine that existing because i live today you know what i mean well and also like it's also so weird to kind of watch now in a time where like everything in culture is ironic now like yeah. everything is so things in such a different way <laughs> and this yes. and like and for the people and for like the people who like are listening or are younger and are watching it for the first time now this like this movie came out at a time when that was not the case everyone was very sincere culture was very yeah. sincere you were not ironic in like popular culture that was the gen x gen xers discovered irony i don't know if anyone knows it <laughs> oh my god well can i say too like that's why like now it's like oh like you know, now like wendy's is ironic on twitter okay it's well, like don't even get me started it's like about that. No, that we're so end. far through the looking that glass makes me on that wanna, one that makes me want to end it well can and so the, the last end thing the only thing i just wanted to, the only other thing i want to say was i wonder like people watching it now for the first time who have never lived in a world that was not completely ironic where ir- irony wasn't just being shot into their brains like does this even does this is this even funny to them or is this just feel i think it is yeah because because i still think like it's still fun like they do it they play it so straight they don't do any winks they like they do winks in a way that's not like ah, we made a joke like they just like go push through and i still that is funny and that still holds that's why it holds up i think well that's a big uh that's also kind of your theory of comedy is well, that oh anyone if you if you stop to acknowledge a joke it's no it longer is funny. not 100% funny anymore and i'm sorry gen xers but you do that all the time and <laughs> that this is why you're the worst generation no one no no gen x person is listening to this podcast i don't think we've one time had a gen x listener so i do not feel bad doing i would just like to say as someone xers. trying to break into the entertainment industry uh i would like to distance myself from okay. these comments okay. if only because <laughs> okay. i would like gen xers to fund my next project all right touche um and no, but- if you are a gen xer uh in the film industry listening to this don't uh close your ears um turn it off i do want to comment though i think that's part of going back to like the the female thing i think the issue is that the creators of the movie knew exactly what it was that they're doing obviously yes but they went into it like setting the bar for their audience because they recognized that the audience probably would be majority female and they didn't talk down to them. Yes. So by keeping it at a certain level, like as far as raising the standard, they knew exactly what it was. It's this pop, you know, it's just this fun kind of over the top, ridiculous band movie that gets into these deeper issues. And I think because it was at such a bar and because it came out at a time when we were revering like the Hilton sisters and it was very much that like early aughts party girl thing. Yeah, where the like the assessment of women at the time was not super high. Yes, so I think that's part of the problem that it people didn't get it because they were too blinded by the veneer of like pretty thin women as the leads, and we don't want to like it, they weren't willing to look under the surface. For it's that. literally like when if you 
think that a character when a character in a movie says something it means that they mean it or it means that the movie agrees with what the character is saying like that is such a ridiculous way to consume media like if so it's like you know you can't watch like like Breaking Bad or some shit like that everyone who like loves Breaking Bad that's because the show is having this protagonist and you're like oh he's kind of good and kind of bad but like they're saying he's a bad guy the whole time the show doesn't think he's a good person you know what I mean? Because then the show's not saying drug, uh, cr- uh, cooking drugs and selling them to people is a good thing. You, you know? say that though, but I think they comp- well, they I do a little. The they old- do a little. I th- yeah, but they, it's they also- do make it seem cool. It's like mafia movies are exclusively consumed by like, you know, white men who will be like, oh wow, it'd be cool to hang out with my when, friends. Yeah, all but, the time but you like watch that. you watch those movies though. But the, the, what I'm saying is those people are not consuming it. <laughs> No, uh, whatever you weigh. Taylor's going to police your consumption. No, now. I'm not going to. But I will say, like, I don't. I think if I watch a mafia movie, I find it quite sad and really, really dark. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this is horrible. Talk about epigenetics. I mean, lots <laughs> of family trauma in those Italians. <laughs> um, I I probably have family trauma. Um, from my mafia family, I do have my family. Is oh, mafia. let's yes. do a podcast on that. Yeah, we should, I should get my grandpa <laughs> to come on my podcast. He'll be like, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> And he would not. Uh, what do channel it. is it on? Yeah, exactly. He would be. He's, is it on Fox News? No, I'm not watching it. But <laughs> I'm I, like, Grandpa, it's a podcast. <laughs> you can't watch it anyways. Um, but no, I do. I think like that. That is very. I also think like I just want to be clear that I think the movie exists on two. Are you going to take back your Gen X comments? <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I will not take. I will not take those back. I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> I want to be clear that I do agree. Like what you were saying, Emily, that the movie exists on two levels. Of like one, it's just like a fun. Yeah good well-written movie with cool characters and amazing music and it is just fun to watch and I think a lot of the reviews first of all don't even like it on that level they're like it's bad um and I'm not saying well actually if you got it it would be good no no I think it's good on that level when I watched this movie when I was a kid I went to see it in the theaters with my mom and I literally have the image in my head of me sitting in the theater with my mom and after the du jour scene in the beginning which is amazing and hilarious even if you don't get all the jokes as like a however old I was when those sticks hit the the drumsticks and the leopard comes up and the it goes to them playing in the band like you're literally just like as a like as a girl a young girl I was like oh my god this is what I want to do coolest people I've ever seen in my literal life and then I got into public service so it didn't well (laughs) didn't didn't pan out um that way totally work out the way I wanted but But it's true like you no there's just just good and it's about friendship and it's about like overcoming and being an underdog and you know like fighting for your dreams and helping people and being a good person like and rocking and rocking and also rocking it's basically shredding it's basically the lady version like it did for female rock what i think school of rock did for like just Ugh. the love of rock like just the the essence of what rock and another roll is another one of my favorite movies and i of all think time. like i just think that that's a little bit what Josie and the Pussycats did and to a degree but I also think this is just kind of a pandemic of these types of films because She's the Man another film that I did a college graduate paper on (laughs) parents must be so proud they are they are very proud um but that's a film that has some very interesting things to say about gender and gender stereotypes and the capability Mm -hmm. of you know uh, the female versus male dynamics etc but people looked at it and were like oh an Amanda Bynes venture and like yes. David Cross shows up for a couple seconds to give it legitimacy <laughs> but like no one's sticking around because they're like who's this attractive like himbo tan- um 
oh my gosh, Channing Tatum. Tatum. And then you've Love got him. you've got Amanda Bynes, but no one's coming to that expect. Like I think some of this stuff you have to go into it with an expectation of what it could be, and I think most were going into it as just like this is this is meaningless. This is this is cotton candy. I think it's delicious, but it's not doing anything nutritionally, and it's going to rot your teeth. And the problem too is like like a lot of the reviews talked about this, which this I actually do understand. The the like you were saying like um, Amanda Bynes was like a kids you know teen yeah. star and so bring, that movie still was in the range where like you teens could go see it or like yeah. whatever Josie and the Pussycats was a kids comic it was like kid a kids cartoon show a kids comic and yeah. yet the movie was PG-13 because it was really an adult teen and adult movie like it was like a teen plus movie yeah. and that I think there was the confusion at that time of like oh, you're making a kid's comic, but it's PG-13. Who the fuck is this movie for? Whereas now, you know, you make really dark versions of Sabrina and it's like, oh, this is for like teens and up. Like this is like, or you make like a really weird version of kids. Like there's just no limit on that anymore. And I think that that was like something that was holding people back because people were like, why would I like well but I can't take my kid to go see a piece my because, parents clearly didn't care I think I was literally like six my yeah. parents clearly didn't give a shit about taking me to a well, you have to, movie but. you have to see it in the context of it's like two major it's like there's like having like this this movie had two major studios behind it yeah you know and so it's like it's only it's 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 not necessarily uh, a problem um to like try to like you know to, to try to like do like a like a movie for like teens and young adults or something but when it has to be a big budget comedy that's when it's gonna get i also do think the marketing was just really off for this yeah i think the marketing did a bad job of pitching what this movie was yeah um and it's different like we don't have social media you can't have like word of mouth things getting out like where it's like wait this movie's amazing you have to go see it like the reason I watch stuff on Netflix is because I see people talking about it online and I'm like oh you know right. or what, or I see a trailer online that I, as I'm scrolling or whatever and I'm like oh that looks really good like you don't have that way of um, like coming to, to things and figuring out you know, you kind of need someone to tell you, oh, this movie's going to be good before you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think this all boils down to this whole thing. Like, was it, um, I think Scorsese had talked about, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how all the movies are oh, basically, yeah, like, it, right? trash. And I, I think it boils down to this idea that popcorn flicks can't be deeper, yes. can't be, like, deeper than the surface. For the, and it's for this the, snobbery yes. in film criticism that just pisses me off because some of my favorite films... Like the first Iron Man movie, for instance, you're talking about something that literally made, I don't know how much, but like a heck ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> Could pay off all my student loans. <laughs> it's fine. RDJ, you call me. A couple um, jams. But like all of that to say <laughs> that that's a film too, where it forces. That's also a good movie. That's also a good movie. So. It's, it's a dude that has even... to examine what he's been doing, which is like making arms to defeat foreigners essentially and he has to come to terms with that and accept it and then go on this thing of repentance like it's it's very much deeper than just like oh iron robot pew pew like there are deeper things and I think the problem ultimately it doesn't matter if they had the most amazing marketing at the end of the day people are gonna see popcorn as just that and that's that's a hundred percent why soapbox back out it's a hundred percent why the academy does not care about sci-fi yeah or literally any of the genre stuff which is where some of the coolest storytelling is happening because they're all 
oh gosh I don't want to watch a movie about someone who has Alzheimer's that's devastating and yes. like I don't that is not what the I'm watching idea, for literally fun. movies are there are so many purposes of movies but I would argue I would literally argue that the number one purpose is to entertain yes. and entertain being entertained by something brings people so much joy it allows them to see different stories it allows them to see different perspectives but also just like to have fun and yes. like ha- take a moment out of their horrible fucking lives all right. the times <laughs> to like forget about it for a second and so the idea that like something that's just a fun positive comedy right. um is not val- as valuable as like a super dramatic you know academy it just award winner this is, is tr- this is 100 percent. it's the same thing with writing comedy and like you guys know this because you do but it's it's the idea that like when you're writing comedy you're just kind of getting your yucks and like just throwing out whatever happens no it takes time and like it's very difficult um and I just yes it it, I think at the end of the day way to connect with people it literally is the like the hand the reaching the hand reached out like palm open to other people to get them to like buy into what it is you're trying to say totally and I like it's capable of so much more and like I think about Jojo Rabbit all the time as being Ugh. like the peak of what comedy can do when it's being when it's like doing what it is. But I all of that to say that they could have marketed the crap out of this. Yeah, they could have had a deal with Tonka where like in the middle of this a giant Hot Wheels pops up <laughs> to get like the the dude demographic. Yes, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It, it it's a popcorn movie yes. that people just I think weren't well like the critics at least weren't willing to go into it expecting anything more totally and they I think were, the if, audience too if they were making this movie this now what do you think it would like look like if they were making it now well I think it's just like when I was so I watched it again last night and I couldn't stop thinking do you remember when like I don't even know if this was real or not now but like <laughs> oh my like God. uh do you remember when uh they announced that they were doing the reboot of the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, and then like, just there let, was like, just a, let the Powerpuff Girls go. I know. Just let them live. But, I and, think. and people, and like, there was like screenshots of the, of the script going around. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, this, yeah. This script and it was, got, it was deranged. Part of it was the completely script, deranged. Part it of was the script like, got they're leaked. all, they all have mental, they're all, it's like, oh, we're all struggling with mental health. And it's like, which, uh, yes. Again, it's, uh, it's this idea that like, if you're, if art isn't pain, then you're not saying anything. And yeah. I just, I, I, that's ridiculous. It, it is, it is just ridiculous to me. You can still, no. Also, they're just trying to make everything with teens now. They just are like, well, this is, needs to be euphoria or no one's going to yeah. watch it, which is like, you, you can have things that are euphoria, but you don't, every single thing doesn't have to be euphoria for teens to like it. Like, yeah. I know the teens are very nihilistic now or whatever, but like, do, the, do teens like, even watch Euphoria? N- I don't know. Because I kind of think. No, I think the teens only do. People, your, brother, your brother is Gen Z and he true. said he watched. My, and my I sister have, is Gen Z and she watched Euphoria. Yeah. But the only people who have ever told me to watch Euphoria are, are like, my parents are, who say it every single time like we go Gen, there. Are like Gen X. <laughs> they're obsessed with Are Gen Euphoria. X white people. Yeah. Or remember, as we do know, Lucas Gage's cousin. That's true. So that's true. Lucas Gage's cousins have also told us to watch that's Euphoria true. to see their their cousin. Yeah, that's um, true. As we mentioned on the White Lotus episode. Uh, anyways, um, no, I, I think I, I, do, I agree. And I don't think everything should be like that. I don't want to watch a million things like that. I'll watch some stuff like that. But 
but I, I was just sometimes they can be edifying. It's just I to I, I don't think you have to sacrifice one in order to enjoy totally. the other. Totally. Like fine, have your very quiet movie about a like a husband who is taking care of his Alzheimer's ridden wife. <laughs> is there a specific movie that, that you're I'm that thinking, you're thinking? It's, <laughs> it's one with Jim Broadbent and I don't remember who it's played with, the woman. Uh, it's with Kevin Hart and um, <laughs> the guy from Breaking Bad. <laughs> Kevin Hart and uh, Paul Blart Mall yes. Cop who's Kevin what's his name I, James I, Kevin James yes, yes. no um, it's Jim Broadbent and I don't remember what but it just because my grandmother had Alzheimer's and that was just such a devastating pro- like 10 year yes. process and so to be sitting there and watching it on the screen I was like why <laughs> I don't but I just this. but I, I, I don't I, I think that that can provide some level of edification as far as like catharsis or whatever it is but I don't you you don't have to sacrifice hot tub time machine <laughs> in order to enjoy this other like this other film. we'll have you, know you what back I mean? for the hot tub time machine episode as well I have not ever seen it I just think we'll that it's an it incredible title we'll watch it live and you can you can react we so what were, you, what were you saying about the Powerpuff Girls? I'm sorry, I interrupted well, you. I was just saying, oh, yeah. I was just, it made me think like, what if they Sorry, were, let's give space to- Let's the, give space to the man. The white man speak. to have a- Go ahead, <laughs> have your opinion. We won't listen to it, but- Like in an alternate universe where Josie and the Pussycats doesn't get made in 2002 and yeah. they, they, they have some other like no, weird they try to miscalculation. Ruin. What does Josie and the Pussycats, because now Josie and the Pussycats would be getting a TV series or something because they are just- they're, you know, people are literally just going through every piece of can IP I be, that they own. And can I be like, honest? It's probably going to turn into like the CW's version of Nancy Drew. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. it's not. <laughs> I love Nancy Drew. Like have played all of the point and click PC games. <laughs> was a huge <laughs> fan of the books as a kid. Yeah, I love Like the, Nancy Drew, books. she can get it. She has that yeah. awesome car. She has a hot boyfriend. Like she's just solving crimes with solving George crimes. and Bess. Like yep. it, it's just, it's she's a great. She's got her, what, her blondies? Yes. It, it's they, just, it's a great. Is it's that a, show still on? I think they may have canceled it, okay. but like they just tried to make Nancy Drew dark. And I'm like, why? Just, She's just, just be the cool. most positive girl in the world. Yeah. And they're trying to make her like, oh, I, I'm like, like give me Emma Roberts back yeah, and exactly, do and exactly. do that. But if in they a were going to do a dark like one of those, they should have gone with Encyclopedia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was David, always hold your pitches. You can't <laughs> keep pitching. He was always the one with the you dark side. Pitching. Listen, if anybody, if there are any Gen X people in the film industry listening and you have the IP for Encyclopedia oh, yeah, Brown, please. this is our idea. Encyclopedia Brown, us. but he has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like the problem is it d- depends on who would be doing the show. To Ugh, be honest. CW like, does that all the time yeah, though. Because I think they if just... like they tried to, if like the CW was like, oh, we're going to do a Josie and the Pussycats series. I mean, Josie and the Pussycats were in Riverdale. So they yeah. did it yeah. already no, and they did no, it like I, Riverdale. Yeah. yeah, no, totally. And, and, but I oh, think... fair enough. <laughs> and they probably are going to get their own spinoff, Josie and the Pussycats, if they haven't already right. like gotten that from Riverdale. Right. I guarantee it. Right. And but, it's going to be them just like doing... Uh, <laughs> it's going to be them doing like open mics at these yes. like sleazy kind yes. of jazz nightclub. <laughs> 100%. They're going <laughs> to get girls, involved in Melody's going like, to be like dating a biker It's going to be something. a lot totally. of glittery halter tops a la Charmed. Like yes. it's just... It's, well, that's, I don't have a problem with, with that the Charmed fashion. Oh no no! I'm just saying that's a hundred percent. That's no, like that's a hundred percent where they'd be going. And, but I think like if like Harry and Deborah did it today, I think they would probably do it in a similar way. If I think if someone like Mike White did it, I think he would do it in a similar way to how it was done then. Totally. And I was also like, um, it's so funny because watching this movie now, I especially now that I've uh, it's just kind of occurred to me probably like three years later than most people that were just redoing the nineties again. Yeah, culturally. we are. Yeah. It's because nostalgia sells. Why um, do you think Disney has yeah. like, <laughs> but, but the nostalgia, the nostalgia used to be 
10 years ago, the nostalgia was for the 80s. Right. And now we're moving on. We've already, we, I think we've just kind of reached a point where we can't really, we can't really do any more we 80s. We can't do the 80s. We can't. We're reaching like levels Pe- of 80s that we were previously <laughs> thought to be un- un- impossible. And it's like, so now we're just going to have to go to the, to the 90s. Yeah. And yeah. so like, like, uh, Three small words sounds like mm-hmm. it could be an Olivia Rodrigo song. Oh, I was going to say so if we were if, like if this were recast. First of all, I don't think that this film could be made today because That's there's true. a specific part of it. Like it's just kind of well, it's, it's about like the, the perfect storm. Yeah. Like, it is about the 2000s. But it's also like just even in the character of Mel, like with yes. Tara Reid. Tara Reid was very much considered like lumped in with those other like celebutants of the early aughts where they were just dismissed of being totally. like, you know, looking hot and showing up and kind of like the Nicole Richie. She's like, a great that whole actor. thing. And, and her character Tara is Reed dismissed. Tara is a in, phenomenal actress. No, she is. And her character is dismissed in the same exact way. Yeah. But that's the thing. It, it was literally like the film was aware of itself, I guess. Yes in that way and so i i don't like it couldn't be made today but if it were it would be like with a bunch of and i'm I'm sorry young people listening like i i have no connection to youth anymore but like it would be like a dove cameron yes olivia rodrigo and i'm trying to think like who val would be but maybe they'd get dua lipa in there or and it would all be it would all have it would all be shot like in complete darkness like there would <laughs> never be a light on it like any a grainy room. color skin yeah. yes yeah there would be it would have the bisexual lighting all the, the time yeah, bisexual yes. lighting that's the technical term yes from from the film industry insider how long have we been doing like an hour okay we need to wrap it up okay wow long. all right <laughs> well okay. i'm just saying uh, it's very long we're keeping and we have a guest this time we can't just talk for no i'm sorry i feel like i've been i feel like i've been talking no you, that's uh, emily that's what that's what you do on a podcast that's okay. why we had you um okay well then what let uh what do you want to i want to do before we end i do want to read this review Oh, and yes. then I, I think maybe we can end it by just like talking about all the things that we love about the movie to try to get these Gen Zers who are listening to our podcast to uh, so you, go yeah. watch it. All right, so you're going to walk us through the Roger Ebert review? Yeah. So yeah. basically, um, I, this is like, I, I speaking of writing college papers, like I did write a college paper on this review specifically because I was in a very specific sort Amazing. of class where we were talking about um We just have to reviews. get rid of college. Once again, the Taylor Emily mind meld continues. I know. It really <laughs> continues. It really does. So anyways, um the the review starts out, let's see what the headline is. Oh, it's just Josie and the Pussycats, half st- one half of a star. Not even a full star. Boo. Um, Josie and the Pussycats, one and a half slices yeah. of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, too, this came out on April 11th, 2001. And by the way, the period from April 11th to April, like, I forget what day it is, maybe 23rd or something like that, is like the most cursed time of the year for so many reasons. And this article just makes me think it is even more. Gemini season, isn't it? Um, no, that's rude. It's actually airy season. And actually I was born in in between there. So um <laughs> I actually think there are some redeeming qualities to that time time period. <laughs> but anyways, um we, we can go into we should go into that. We should do a conspiracy episode about that timeline. Okay. Because of like all the thing bad things that have happened. Okay. Anyways, that's for a later time. I'm going to read it. Josie and the Pussycats are not dumber than the Spice Girls, but they're as dumb as the Spice Girls, which is dumb enough. So first of all, doesn't even make sense. The Spice Girls are like one of the most popular bands of all time. I was going to say, talk about another underrated movie, Spice World. Like that also has satire about like band culture and everything like music industry and stuff. And it's, I think Hugh Laurie is like the bus. No, Meatloaf is the bus driver, but (laughs) anyway, it doesn't matter. He didn't get that movie either. I mean, it's just like, 
it's like right off the bat you don't understand like you just hate women like to be honest he's just like oh the Spice Girls are dumb because they're women and they're singing about female empowerment like because that's what the Spice Girls were it was all about friendship and female empowerment. it's all about girl power yeah and, and he then, hates yeah women having fun and being happy Oof. okay they're a girl band recruited as they're crossing the street by a promoter who wants to use their songs as a carrier for subliminal messages. The movie is a would-be comedy. Sorry, about- it also, because we haven't said it yet, um, Alan Cummings. Yes, so Alan I mean, Cummings amazing is, the, is, just- is... First of all, he shits on him in this review, and we'll talk about it. He's giving such an amazing performance first of all all the actors in this know exactly what movie they're yeah. in they know exactly what character they're playing and they are doing it flawlessly Apparent, <laughs> they from are, reading though. from reading the book apparently to get that like all you have to do is just cast alan cummings because then every like literally everyone who did this movie it seems like oh it's like once i knew that he was in it I just wanted to. Yes. I just wanted to. Oh. Do I was going to say, if we didn't address Alan Cummings, I also want to say Parker Posey Ugh. is someone that I really love, but she is fan freaking tastic in this film. Like, it, well, he has something to say about that too. Yeah. But she, she's um, every actor in this movie is amazing, and they're perfectly cast. The casting for this movie yes. was amazing. Also, David, I want to be clear. His name is Alan Cumming with no S. You're doing like what grandmas <laughs> do when they say they're going to Walmart's. <laughs> the Kmart's. <laughs> I'm going to Kmart's. I'm sorry, Mr. So just be clear. Sorry, just- Mr. Cumming. <laughs> um, so let's see. It says uh, this movie is a would-be comedy. Okay, about um, prefab bands and commercial sponsorship, which may mean which may mean that the movie's own plugs for Coke, Target, Starbucks, Motorola, and Evian are part of the joke. I want to be clear that they are part the of the movie, joke. <laughs> there, it's that's the whole joke of the whole fucking movie, you idiot. But I just want to be clear throughout the movie, the the set and the the production design is amazing. It is really great. It is like everything is. It's very like sort of um, heightened. Everything is very heightened, for, sort of absurd. For anyone who hasn't, for someone who hasn't seen it, I, you like the the best flavor. It's very two thousands. It, <laughs> yeah, the best flavor of it is when Dujour gets on the private jet. Like, you know, in the first three minutes of the movie and on one side of the private jet is just like an array of different dish soaps. Yes. Or, like displayed in their private jet. Displayed because they're spot, quote unquote, yeah. sponsored by like Tide or, yeah. you know, some shit like by that. Dawn, like, by Dawn dish and, soap and on their private jet. And they have Coke bottles with their faces Amazing. on it. The, the whole movie, None of which were paid for. Not a single one. Nothing was paid for. So literally they are putting all of these quote unquote product placement in their movies as a like as like a, a part of the satire of the movie of being like everything is product placement everything is trying to sell you something everything that we do now is about consumerism and buying things and selling things and that's all we fucking care about and literally the consensus on on rotten tomatoes is this live action update of Josie and the Pussycats offers up bubbly fluffy fun but the constant appearance of product placements seems rather hypocritical it's like no, it's the whole point. You <laughs> are you idiots? Are you? T- that's legitimately a review. Oh that's my the, gosh. That's the consensus of all the critics. Oof. So, anyways, he uh, Roger is like maybe that's the point, but <laughs> and I'm like no, you idiot. It is the point, and you just didn't think it was good because you don't understand. Well, anything. it's one thing to say you dead it's man. It's one thing to say that you don't like. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> it's one. <laughs> I'm insulting him for being dead. Dunk. <laughs> just keep, just keep going. Sorry, you aged and you died. Um, the product placement for Krispy Kreme donuts is, however, an o- ominous development since it may trigger a war with Dunkin'. Like, basically, he goes into this whole thing about, like, making jokes about, like, 
it doesn't make he doesn't get it he doesn't make yeah. any sense and he's also doing that like old man thing he probably wasn't even this old at this time where he just goes off on a side tangent about nothing that has to do with it and thinks he's making a joke that only he understands and then he thinks it's worthy of putting into an article okay Josie and the Pussycats based on a comic book from the Archie stable stars Rachel Lee Cook blah 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 uh, Melody Valentine as the bubble brained blonde Okay, and then he didn't describe any of the other characters. He just wanted to shit on Tara Reid for being, quote, bubble-brained. None of these women have families, friends, or employers, apparently, and are free to move randomly through the plot as a unit without ever calling home. First of all, that is the point. It is adapted from a comic. Literally, um, Alexandra says, she's like, why are you here? Oh, I was in the comics. It is a joke. They are satirizing this. They are making a joke. They are not like, they just didn't build out. The, they just chose not to build out the plot. Also, they're a comic book character, you idiot. Are, this is literally Alan M. Erasure. Like, yeah, also, yeah, also so rude. So rude. Like, don't disrespect. And Alan, Gabriel too, who's fantastic. Yeah, no, oh, no. Al, Alan M. He's Alan. Yeah, Alan M. Yeah. Alan M. Amazing. I love Gabriel so much. Um, no, he doesn't even speak about him at all. Um, it that says, is disrespectful. I know. It says... Uh, after a prologue in which a previous prefab boy band disappears in a plane crash, a nefarious record producer named Wyatt Frame, Alan Cumming, the gay villain du jour. First of all, I think it's really offensive that he says he's gay just because of the way that he is like being because he's n- not gay. He literally has a relationship. He like falls in love at the end <laughs> with a woman. So he's actually like the character's not gay. So this is actually offensive. He's just saying, oh, he's like being flamboyant. So he's gay. Um, hires them on first sight without hearing them sing a note to be his newest promotion. Yeah, that's the whole point. Um, let's see. Josie ignores bountiful opportunities to be a satire of the Spice Girls and other groups and gets dragged down by a lame plot involving the scheme to control, a lame plot involving the scheme to control teen spending with the implanted messages. Did he have nothing going on the rest of this week? Like when this was due? Because this is... He literally was like, this actually should have been a critique of the women in the bands for being such dumb bitches. Yeah, yeah. He was like, this is, unfortunately, the movie chose to be a critique of the system. Well, it is. It should really be (laughs) a a critique of the individual women who were involved in it for being such dumb bitches. He's like, I see um, this cultural industry, but you seem to want to blame corporations. I would prefer to blame women. Women. literally the women who are being girls. exploited girls yeah. yeah the girls who are being exploited yeah. by it no it's just great it's really good okay and this one's really bad so he says um a lame plot involving the scheme to control teen spending with implanted messages that's literally like it's not a lame like it's capital like like it's capitalism you idiot it's not like a lame thing that's like a pretty big deal um the movie calls them it's subliminal a, yeah it's a global economic it's a global system, economic that, has system that is for thousands of years i think it's a pretty big deal <laughs> Roger. It says, the movie calls them subliminal. Since they're sound waves, they're actually suboral. But never mind. The Pussycats would probably think suboral was a kind of foreplay. Ooh. Damn, dude. That's So just like, they're sluts too, by the way. (laughs) By the way, they're sluts. (laughs) By the way, women are sluts. And also like, that's just, that's that's not also like. So gross. That's not, he's such an, like, I want him to die again. I want him to die (laughs) two times. Um... He also then just goes in and says, like, the, the, the dialogue is awkward. It's not. Um, the, 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 the words don't seem to flow. Doesn't mean anything. He's saying Alan Cumming has one funny... my college professor? Like... <laughs> <laughs> he says Shoot. Alan Cumming has one funny moment in what? which... In which he demonstrates how well-trained the boy band is, which that is a funny moment, but it's one of 
many many funny moments that he has yeah please don't please don't the music spit. is pretty bad see what? that's his worst that's his that's worst. his worst take everyone loves the music it is universally loved it literally went gold even though the movie did terrible and no one liked the movie the the record yeah. did really well it's legit why i bought the album just yeah, like no one seriously month <laughs> um and then uh it says Maybe it's supposed to sound like brainless teen fodder, but it's not good enough at being bad to be funny because it's actually genuinely good, you idiot. And then stops merely at the bad stage. No, it's actually good music. And it is funny. Has he listened to the DuJour song? Maybe he didn't get it. Maybe he didn't get the innuendo of anal sex. Maybe he's just, it went over his head. Maybe he backdoor lover went yeah. over his head. Maybe. Maybe. I don't think so. Um, really, I don't think so. I don't know. Parker Posey has one of those supporting roles from hell where she has to make her entrance as a cliche and is never, never gets to play with the conventions of her role. It's not true. Like, it's just not true. She's the best. <laughs> okay, then he also, like, continues to use suboral instead of subliminal throughout to prove that he's smarter than us. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, anyways, uh, he's, uh, I hate him. And that's many, a terrible review. How many popcorn boxes do you give his review? I give his popcorn box, shove it up your ass. <laughs> I want him to shove the popcorn box up his ass. I give him one time I worked at AMC and it was my job to like clean up the, the oh, no. theaters like after movies and in one showing of The Hangover Part 3. Uh, I love that there, you, were, you were so traumatized by what you were was. about to say that you remember um, the A movie. used diaper was left no. on the ground. Oh. <laughs> it's left on the ground? <laughs> So that is what I give that's, this review. That's what he gets. He gets that used diaper left on the ground of the AMC that Emily found. <laughs> I think that's really fitting, actually. Yes. Thank you, Emily. You're I appreciate welcome. that. So what do you think about that review? Other than all the things, the obscenities that I yelled about it. Well, it just seems like it's the classic, like the what you what you guys were talking about. He's he's he. It's not so much that he's saying this isn't. I don't like this. This isn't my taste. He's he's refusing to engage with what the movie is. A hundred percent. Yep. Which yeah. is like that's a classic thing that a lot of people in the industry do. Yeah. That reviewers do. Yeah. You. They're it's unwilling okay to, to say something is not for you. Yes. And it's a completely like you're allowed to be like I don't think this is good or it's offensive yeah. or there are problems with this. But there's a complete difference between being like this isn't for me and I don't value it because it's not aimed at me and who I am, right. a.k.a. a white man. And and being like, you know, like this is terrible, be, you know, because it's not for me. Like there's a difference between it being still good and being like, OK, I can understand that people it's would like popular culture snobbery yeah. like that. That's 100 percent what it is. This idea that you're like gatekeeping what can be what can be considered art. Yes. 100 percent. 100 percent. So um, what else do we want to say about Josie and the Pussycats before we wrap up? I was just going to say. Oh, you want to say your 9-11 theory? Well, no. That, I mean, oh, yeah, I do, obviously. Um, <laughs> we can't, the, I think that like this is, I mean, it, it's kind of along the lines of what Emily already said, which is like this movie, everything changes like culturally after 9-11. Like if this movie comes out after 9-11, if it comes out in a post 9-11 world, I think like irony like it's far it's far more likely that it was it would be received on for what it was doing like right after 9-11 like right after maybe I think that's maybe the only because because like all and also like Emily said you you if, if you go too far away from from 2001 you then lose the moment of the late 90s which is what the show is about like also like that's part of the reason that this budget is so insane is because they were just having to make it look like all the other stuff that our culture was producing it's like how much do you think that i want it that way music video it probably costs like five million dollars yeah. to make that yeah. music video because we were spending that much money on 
music videos at that time. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, though? I just don't understand the way in which 9-11 specifically changed the way we were interacting with consumerism. Because I think consumerism is at the heart of this film. Like, yes, capitalism more generally, but I think consumerism specifically in, like, American, like, um, consumerism is, yeah. like, what this is. I'd argue it's probably the like the the motivation for it, right? Like pre 9-11, it's more of a self-serving purpose. But like post 9-11, there was this idea that like it was, you know, in your neighborhood when everyone was flying the American flag, it was this idea that like it was patriotic to be contributing to the economy. So I think Mm. at least on that level, there was there was definitely a difference as far as what the motivation was for. Uh, but do you think we ever be we we ever gained sentience because like about it for a moment? Like I just don't know about why. consumerism. Yeah, I just no. But I think that I think that now and basically ever since then there has been too much like in your in the regular person's face about like the problems that like you know like global capitalism are. And you think that's because of nine eleven? I think that I think that that was the first like moment of like cultural schizophrenia where we have these constant messages of actually consumerism is the best it's actually the best thing that we can do we can it's actually our patriotic duty to to go to to consume versus like these yeah. are the effects of it like uh like uh um parts of the planet are literally disappearing and you have but do to you think, think about 9- it but do you think nine eleven spurred that though? for americans i think i think for americans for a lot of americans i think uh like for especially for like for that people of that age that was the first time they conceived a world out like larger than the United States (laughs) no that's that like are on some like like even like on some level that that the things that the way that like our culture interacts with the rest of the world yeah I think that's interesting yeah I don't know I'd have to definitely like I would love to actually like I know I was shitting on your your um yeah your theory before but I would like (laughs) to like look into that because I I just like for me it's not just because I don't know anything about American history recent American history like I just don't like know enough about it and I'm always trying to learn more about it and I I don't blame myself I blame our public school system and and any school system like private schools don't teach it better than public schools uh, for not teaching us about this and being reflective about recent or past history um in a way that's like beneficial to us as a society but I I it is interesting I just like I I just feel like after 9-11 everyone just got worse in terms of like the ways in which they were doubling down on imperialism and like everyone wanted the war like public sentiment was all over it you know what I mean so I just don't I I like wonder I don't know that it was 9-11 that would like if it had come out after 9-11 to be fair after 9-11 it probably would have been Josie and the Pussycats fighting terrorism yeah it would have been like a mashup with Team America World Police (laughs) but I like wonder if like there was something like what changed it was probably Af- always post nine eleven that was like. I mean, realistically, it was probably always doomed. It was probably always going to because it was probably always going to come out before. It was. I think it was always going to come out before its time, and they were. And no one's willing. No never, one's willing to make a movie that's not. No one's going to like until twenty years later. That's you know, just not a thing. I'm wondering if I'm part of it, it. I'm wondering if like part of it is you know how we we mentioned Wendy's and like the sentience of uh, like social media yes. brands and stuff. But there's this idea that not only are they your pals, but like they're also on the front of fighting for whatever your particular <laughs> yes, like issue yes, is. Yes. So I'm wondering if post nine eleven is this idea idea that like these as opposed to this kind of faceless relationship that you have with the giant you know um consumerism machine uh like i'm wondering if it's 
this idea that afterwards we had an increasingly like more uh compliant and friendlier interaction with like because now it's not only that you're consuming a particular product but like depending on where you're going whether it's like apple versus chick-fil-a you're going because you're going purposefully and you're hoping the like the best example of this and the worst example of this that i can possibly think of is last year during the um like the pandemic the uh, like with all the rioting and just the unrest and everything else and call of duty modern warfare (laughs) before getting on to like multiplayer matches they put up this blanket statement about how activision and call of duty is really on the front of like fighting back against racism and all of this stuff and i'm like first of all Thank you for no, your service. Like, <laughs> also, Blizzard is literally having like walkouts right now, right? being like, um, you're terrible but to your female But some of the most <laughs> racist things I've ever yes, heard have yes, been yes. through mics on multiplayer things. So like, it just, it's that cognitive dissonance of, of that kind of thing. Performative. But I, and yeah. it, I think it's more performative on this side of, of 9-11. But, but then this makes me, uh, what I would, I'm not trying to hijack this your theory. This side of 9-11 is going to be Emily's memoir. Oh my God. But th- not to hijack your theory, but I kind of think that the financial crisis had more to do, m- would have more to do with this. Yeah, and this you're move right. And that you're so right. Like I, I just honestly. But again, it, it it is it possible it's it not been a different it would have been like no like i don't think this if this had come out after yeah. the financial crisis but i don't think we were ready for That's this movie true. until after 2008 i don't think we were ready for this movie until after the financial crisis i literally just think like you you your thing is you think 9-11 you know like cemented a lot of like culturally what think, culturally cul- and then i think materially I think it's definitely just everything goes back yeah. to that in yeah. the, the recent formation of all like ideologies and and you know capitalism in the way that it's like being is it possible it's not in a vacuum though and it's a little column david a little column taylor definitely 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 no that's i think that's what i think that's what i'm arriving at is that 2001 is the like cultural shift and then 2008 is the material shift yeah because i think like this is just so based in the like consumerism that it's like you needed that financial crisis to be like Oh wait, like um oh, elites are trying to literally um murder us all yeah. <laughs> and just like steal all our money for it's no reason. It's a straight reason. line from yeah. um it's and a straight like, we, like, line from Josie and the Pussycats to Squid Game. It's it's seriously. It's, guys, watch Squid Game. We will talk about it. We <laughs> it's will horrifying. Be, we will be talking about it. It's one of the best things I've seen in a really long time. Um and it's again another one of those things where everyone was talking about how great it was and then I watched it and I still liked it. When usually I watch things like that and I'm like, "Oh, this is I you're incorrect." Yeah. Um, but so I feel like d- one of the things we've missed out on thus far is I like I really want to share some of my like favorite. Yes, parts no, we of- need to. This is where we need to where we need to end it. We need to talk about all the best parts. So go ahead, Emily. Um, there are a couple. The first, <laughs> so the whole like gag in the beginning with Dujour is this whole thing about what Dujour means, and it's yes. not. It's the one guy whose name I do not know, Alexander or something. I forget. Yeah, it. I'm gonna look it up. He, but he he's he's this. the one that. <laughs> As soon as he's like, du jour means friendship. <laughs> like that, that just absolutely kills me. Um, I mentioned Parker Posey. Her wardrobe is just absolutely insane in this film. But there is one where they're like, wire. she plays like the, she plays like the record executive who is yes. working with the U S government in order to, um, you know, uh, subliminally 
um, target uh, mostly teenagers, but but um, everyone for their their money. But there is a there's a part where she's wearing this like insane dress, but it has like chicken wire sticking out of it with little feathers, like kind of iconic ensconcing iconic like her outfit. entire head. But she she does like a dramatic turn at one point with that particular dress, and like part of it whips her in the face. Like it's just that and the sound speaking. of it, I can hear the sound of those <laughs> flying through the air in my head. I can literally hear the sound of it. But I think my favorite part. Like you were talking about just the, I, I love rock music. That's probably because I'm <laughs> a white woman from the nineties, but <laughs> either way, um, I, like rock music, it's the reason that school of rock just like it gets in, there are some of those movies that just kind of get in your soul and you're like, yes. this is why I really love film. And for me, it was at the end as they're doing their, cause at one point the idea is that they're going to take over the entire world. And so everyone has to purchase these like special Josie and the Pussycat uh, headphones in order to hear the concert and the moment when they get up and it's like the huge stadium filled and Josie does her whole monologue about like taking off the ear things and is like if you like what we are playing cool and if not that's okay too yeah and she starts playing and the song is incredible and then Alan M like yes everyone's rocking out like it it just is that and then they fall in love and they kiss on stage it's it's fantastic the end of the end of every uh, 90s movie was like well we can actually change the world by throwing a concert and I love that that's true because even um, Rat Race had Smash Mouth (laughs) 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 awesome Rat Race is a fantastic film by the way Um, but no Parker Posey is probably one of my favorites and then just that that concert bit it's is, also just is end, endlessly quotable like my family the amount of things that we say to each other like that are quotes from that movie like who wants a french braid like <laughs> we just say that so, like i will say that to my mom like my mom I, if we're ever like oh like let's let's go like on a girl's date let's go, go get coffee or something we're always like oh, let's, who wants a french braid like you know what i mean i don't know it's wait just that's like, the scene where parker posey's like trying to have girl talk yeah. like, yes with, yes but just like but she's not like a, an empathetic like like right. she's like not a good person she's a, and so she she's cannot, a lizard she cannot connect with these women on any like <laughs> realm of humanness yes <laughs> she's like put yeah she's a lizard just like in his skin. it's just amazing but that's the thing he he like some someone who's reviewing this like roger ebert wouldn't understand that like he'd be like well this this dialogue seems stilted and it's like yeah, it she is doesn't know how to yes. communicate with people and that's the yeah. point um, it, but anyways, no, I mean, I, lo- I love everything about the movie. I think DuJour Oh gosh, wait, the return of DuJour The too, return of DuJour. His name, by the way, is Alexander Martin, is the fourth Alexander member Martin. of DuJour. Doesn't he, they all come back in like full body cast, yes, right? Yes, because they've fallen from a plane crash, of course. <laughs> but but his- no, that's not why. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That's not why. Because they fell off the plane and like, and they were unscathed they by were the plane unscathed. crash. But they, they crashed right into what a Metallica concert. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Thank God I knew the words to Enter Sandman." <laughs> yeah, the Metallica fans hated the the boy band so much that they just beat the shit. <laughs> That's incredible. But I just remember because one of them is I think that guy is what is his name again Alexander, Alexander Martin Alexander Martin his character is in the wheelchair but his character also no, had he's a the one who, he's the one who come no he's the one who comes in and is like du jour means friendship like <laughs> he's the one who comes in he still has his face out of the cast the rest of them are just yeah. in full cast. one of them is in a wheelchair and I'm pretty monkey. sure there's the, the monkey yeah oh gosh his it's, two little balls I think <laughs> maybe and maybe we can even like close on this but like 
you should if you have a chance to make a movie that people love you should do that if you have a chance to make a movie even if people are not going to like it right now that they will like it in the future or that people will connect with and or that seven-year-olds will connect with and a bunch of adults will hate well and yeah you should do that if you can make a movie that you love people will love you should do that if you can make people a movie that people will hate you should also do that 100 percent. you can do both that's the that's dream. actually pretty sick that's like, actually pretty because sick. you have to like like the 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 de stuff at the end i just like I, i'm seeing roger ebert watch this and just he's just had a miserable time yeah just a miserable time watching it. it and and then at the end whereas emily and i are yeah, dying that laughing joke, and loving it that joke i imagine him sitting in in the theater with just nothing but young women and yeah. they're all laughing having a great time and he just hates his life and he's so mad that and he's then there they and associated in, with the women that and are then in they come theater. in and they do the du jour joke at the end and then they do the metallica joke on top of that and it's just like they're dabbing on roger ebert they're yes. dabbing on him like <laughs> just spiking the ball in the end zone Literally. it's like we ruined your day we ruined your day and yeah. i'm so glad that they did you're right david like That's we should really appreciate the, the power that this movie had to like make people like that so frustrated and yeah. annoyed and mad and and it is true and it's just because they they yeah it's not for them so should, fuck you we should all aspire to that i yeah, just I, I think that's one of the things that's encouraging about this film is just the idea that like they did it anyway and yes. like as far as oh, the two of as, them were like you just oh we'll do it if you let us literally do whatever we want oh okay sick <laughs> and just as far as like creation goes like in, in my case writing or whatever just that i that permission i guess to just write what you want like yes. not trying to write to any type of uh like trend or anything like that but just like Doing what you love. <laughs> yeah. And making something that like you actually would want to watch. Right. And right. like your friends would want to watch. And something enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard because a lot of the people that are in power to make those are, are often are not like you and your friends. And so it is a tough thing, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't still write stuff that you think is good. It doesn't mean that there's not an audience out there. Totally. I think totally. that's, I think that's the, that's the one positive to all, well that and all the writing jobs that are opening up, but like with yeah. all these streaming channels yeah. and things, the one thing that is cool is that there are definitely audiences out there for your material. Gl- like this is a broad reach. Like yeah. you could do something for a streaming service. That's like, Oh, this is going to reach a very specific audience. Right. And we're still going to do it and put it on there. Yeah. Cause and they will watch it and like it. That's a hundred percent Josie and the Pussycats. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah. I like that too. I think that's right. a great, Let's a great way to wrap then. it up. Thank Emily, you. Thank you so much. This was such a blast, guys. I I am still a little bit starstruck. Literally, my dream was just to like talk to you (laughs) about Josie and the Pussycats for an hour and a half or whatever. Thanks for coming down to our podcasting studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, this has been incredible. I am just in awe of all the tech that you guys have. that's so rude because that was talk she threw a backhanded compliment <laughs> back at us at the end of the podcast no, and i think a- that's fair <laughs> i think that is fair i think that is fair we'll go out on that this time you think you won.